All right, welcome to another segment of Let's Talk UNRV on our podcast. You with co-host Keith and uh, Dr. Crab. Dr. Crab, what did you do this weekend? You know, it's what I didn't do. That's that's the problem. It's like I really wanted to go skating this weekend, and I just didn't make it out there. And I love 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 to skate. So, what I did this weekend was read, some studying, some soul reflection kind of way, some affirmation, some fake yoga. I say fake yoga because I have no real idea what I'm doing when I'm doing my <laughs> yoga. So, Well, you know, you got to talk to me a little bit more about this skating fetish you got. <laughs> now, how did you get into skating? Uh, when I was around 13 years old, I think I got my first set of skates, which I was not allowed to wear unless I would wear pants. It sounds weird, but I love skirts because, you know, when you twirl, you see all those mm-hmm. skating things. So the rule was in order to get my skates and wear my skates, I had to agree to put on at least shorts underneath my skirts. Um, and I put it away for a while, and then I picked it back up at dun-dun-dun, 40. <laughs> so now you sort of, you know, doing a fancy skating or you risk-a-taker, risk-averse? Like, what's your skating style? Um, try not to kill myself or anyone else. <laughs> Safety is, first, right? my skating style. I just recently learned how to use my brakes. <laughs> They were brand new up until this point, but I like to dance when I skate. All right. That's my jam. I like now to see, down. see, I'm I'm sort of the evil Knievel skater. Ah. So like we we were we use skates as sort of a, a means for jumping ramps and Okay. Oh yeah. So we never we weren't the the dancing. It was more so let's see who can be the most scarier on the skates. So we, like if there was a male roller derby team, that would be your jam. Uh, but yeah, with, with no pads. No pads. No helmet. Living life on the edge. Oh, yes. My mom did not care for it. <laughs> so she just adopted the mantra, don't come home crying. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm not taking you to the hospital if you break something. You broke it, you bought it. That's it. But yeah, my weekend was pretty chill, too. So I ended up just watching some football, which I love, 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 love. So glad football season is back. And so just watched as many games as I could. Nice. With all the constant interruptions from my little one. So he's he's always competing for attention. So, Dad, you cannot watch football in peace. Do they play? Not football, but soccer. Okay. Well, hey, just to transition to our segment for today. So today we're going to be talking about take what you need from the basic needs uh, pantry work. So we have our guest today, Ash Xander Quinn, who is the interim hope and basic needs coordinator in service, learning, and leadership. Ash, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Ash, could you tell us a little bit about your origin story in terms of how you came to UNLV and into the position that you're in? Yes. So, um, I am an alum of UNLV. I did my undergraduate in psychology back in the day. Um, And then after a break, I came back to get my master's degree in social work, um, And throughout my time um, in undergrad and graduate work, I've been very involved at the university with um, Center for Social Justice, Student Diversity Social Justice, and even as a graduate assistant, I was doing work with the Hope Scholars Program, which really led me to the position I am in now doing this basic needs coordinator work with service learning and leadership. Um, And it just really compiled my journey with the passion that I have for, um, for, you know, higher ed and combining that with that social work passion, you know, the social justice advocacy and 
really providing much needed support to underrepresented, minoritized, and in need communities. Sounds like a sounds like a wonderful program. So, um, in terms of the program itself, so what has been the reception? How sex- successful has this program been? Have you seen a, a a great need, or how's that been going? Absolutely. So um, I'm still fairly new to the program, but knowing the history of it, it really began. Um, it it kind of caught on in housing where. Um, you know, it came to the attention of the university and some higher ups in that area that students were experiencing some housing insecurities, basic needs insecurities, um, food insecurities, et cetera, that really needed to be addressed and they really needed that support. So that's where the Hope Scholars program stepped in. So part of that program um, is a scholarship program where we support students who are experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity. throughout their academic career, we provide them with with financial aid for housing, for food, for textbooks, and some of those pieces that we work closely with donors to do. Um, But another piece of that, which I work on, is that basic needs component that goes out a bit more to the general UNLV community. So not just students, but also recognizing that um, faculty and staff are impacted by these issues as well. And in fall 21, the campus did a basic needs survey that really indicated, I believe they got over 4,000 responses for that survey. And I believe it indicated that one in two responders indicated basic needs and security, whether that was food, housing, transportation, technology, you know, one of, um, or just access to basic need items um, in general. Um, So I think that really demonstrated what a huge issue this is on our campus that probably isn't being talked about enough. And that's what we really want to do is fill in those gaps, provide that support where it's needed. And just since the semester has started, I have worked with about five to ten students one-on-one to connect them with some resources. And that's just in the past few weeks. And then, Ash, I know, you know, speaking of this work, could you talk a little bit about the uh, the events that are coming up this this fall. Yes, so we have what we call a basic needs closet within our office. So we of course work with students one on one if they come to our attention or if they contact us needing to access items. Um, you know, we can definitely work with them and provide them with additional resources depending on their situation. But we do have some pop up events, and those are called Take What You Need. So we have one every month this um, semester and going into the spring as well. So our first one is going to be next week, Thursday, September 22nd. These are all going to be hosted in Student Union Room 208 A and B from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And essentially what this event is, is we put all of the donated items that we have, which is over... I want to say over 30 boxes worth of things, so much stuff, Um, clothing, school supplies, hygiene products, um, even cleaning supplies, linens, things of that nature. We put all of that out for um, UNLV community members, the students, faculty, staff to just come through the event, kind of treat it like shopping, but without the checkout line and just take whatever items that they need without shame and without that that barrier that we often feel. 
I love that that you're trying to re- remove the stigma, you know. So one of the, as you talk about this Take What You Need event, there are certain things that are striking to me. One of it is that this this invisibility of people and their needs, especially in the era of COVID and recovering from COVID, there are a lot of different financial hits that people took that are just not discussed. So I love that there's an opportunity to get their needs met in a way that's not shaming and stigmatizing. And that also helps them to build community and know where the resources are. But my question for you is, is how can how can we contribute? How can students contribute to the opportunities, you know, to give? And what sort of items would you like to have donated for this particular event? Yes, that is a great question. So um, we love taking donations all throughout the year. Um, and those can be delivered to Student Union 316 front desk. Um, Items that we see that we really need um, to support our students. Lately, I've noticed that we need more hygiene products that are a bit more specific to um, to different ethnicities, um, as opposed to some of what we've been getting in that has been a bit limited. So some more multicultural products, um, some more gently used or, um, if possible, new, you know, whatever people want to donate, clothing that is in a wider range of sizes, um, and also available to just more than just one gender. We do get traditionally women's clothing donated to us, so it would be great to have an expansion there. Um, and then even just some more toiletry items, such as tissue paper, or just some of those things that you know that students would need to get them through the night, right? Um, things of that nature we could always use. And we do have an Amazon wish list, um, I think, so far since we've launched it. We've gotten over $2,000 worth of donations from the Amazon wishlist alone, which has been amazing um, to see so much support from the community. And we try to update that with the things that we know we don't really have in stock that um, the campus community community has indicated as being really highly needed. <clears throat> and I know you mentioned the Amazon wishlist and that there are still some gaps or unmet need in certain areas, as you just described. Could you sort of share with our listeners and students or organizations, how do they access the Amazon wish list and or how do they contact you if they wish to make donations? Yeah, so the best way to kind of follow our events and um, our needs would be social media. We'll post um, the link to um, the wish list. We're working on putting together a flyer that really indicates some of the highly needed items. This week, as we've been prepping for next week's event, we've been going through our storage of donations and getting that feel of what's missing and what do we need to supplement. But we'll really get that idea at next week's event once we have um, some feedback from those who attend. So that will be going on the service learning and leadership social media on Instagram. That would be UNLV SLL. Um, And we'll have the link there. Or you can always... Come to the um, Student Union 316 front desk to ask, and you can ask for me, and I would love to point people into the right direction. You can also contact me through my UNLV email address, which is ash.quinn at unlv.edu. It's interesting to think that, you know, as we think about students going through college, we think about a lot of the needs that they have, but they're primarily academic, you know. And very little thought is often given to the fact that if you're hungry, you don't learn well. 
if you can't pay your bills, you don't learn well, that these all all these things contribute to academic success. So I'm, I'm really grateful to your organization for addressing those lower level, you know, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of thing, where where the things that that would prevent them from being successful are now addressed in a way that's respectful and kind and also destigmatizing. Um, are there other resources and opportunities available to students struggling with basic needs that students maybe need to be aware of? Well, first and foremost, I think students are always welcome to just come in, um, talk with myself and my colleagues if they are experiencing a situation. We work very closely with different support systems on campus to ensure that if there's any resources that we can't provide, that we can connect them with those resources very quickly. Um, so for example, we work closely with the food pantry for those who have food insecurities. We do have some food at our events, but it's definitely limited compared to the wonderful stocks that they have over there. We work closely with the care center, with CAP, um, you know, just a lot of those support systems. So if they're ever unsure where to go, I think it's really important to know that we do work very closely together and that we will you know, make sure that we find solutions to the situations that they're facing. And then, Ash, I'm imagining, you know, to sort of plan and move all these items around for these different pop-up events, <clears throat> that it does take a lot of manpower or uh, human capital to do so. Um, do you all do this as a team or do you all solicit for volunteers to come in and help with this work? organizing, moving things, breaking down packaging, moving things back? If so, how can those who are interested in assisting do so? Absolutely. So we have pretty much done it internally. We did recently hire a graduate assistant who has been helping um, myself and others with this work, but it has mostly just been us. Um, same for day of the event with setup and breakdown. We do we are open to having volunteers, especially at the event, um, to, to help with set up and clean up. Um, we just try to make sure that during the event itself, we keep it pretty low on staff. We want to make sure that we're keeping the environment as open and welcoming as possible and having too many students um, working the space might make those trying to access the space feel uncomfortable. So if anybody's ever interested in volunteering and helping out in those regards, um, they can definitely reach out to our office with, to express that interest and we can see where we could use the help. We're still navigating the expansion of this. I know COVID definitely took a hit on what we were able to do when things were mostly virtual and also recognizing how needs have changed um, in the period that we're in now. So that's something that we're still addressing, but I'm, I'm sure we would never turn away any assistance. You know, it's so funny as you were talking about the interconnectedness of the support system. I think it's really important for students to know, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, that there are various points of entry. That that if you that there are various places and spaces in the university where if you express a need, we will also help you provide resources. And the fact that you're working with these different communities and these different departments within the university then allows them to be a better um, transition point for students that have needs. so Absolutely. And not just in the university either. We have contacts in the community as well. So if their situation is beyond the scope of what we can do at a university level, 
we do have connections with nonprofits and other groups in the community that we can point them in the direction of. And then, Ash, could you speak to, like, what are some of the feedback or responses that you receive from some of the students or staff who come and sort of have access to these items? Yeah, um, so we do um, we do see a lot of gratitude. I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, just people are surprised that this is an option for them and have expressed that this has really helped them and helped their families. Also recognizing that a lot of these people um, going through our events, you know, they have support systems or people who rely on them. So being able to even support themselves or, you know, I've seen people come through the event and grab multiple bags that would help family members. And, you know, I, I just love seeing how they say that this really helped them get through. I've heard many students say that they were in a position where they often chose to pay their tuition over paying for their basic needs and that this really helped them to continue being in school because otherwise they didn't have a lot of options, which is an unfortunate reality. And again, that's why I think just having these conversations is so important. But overall, it's been a lot of gratitude and it's been so great interfacing and communicating with those who attend our events. I love hearing their stories and I love seeing how much it supports them. You know, as I as I look through your bio, it seems like this is a bit of a passion project for you. You know, it sounds like this is you're well suited to this. So how did you come to 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 be so involved in these sorts of things? I know you talked about how you came here in terms of the university, but as your own human person, you know, it it sounds like this is something that's meaningful for you on a multiple levels. Can Would you like to share a little bit about your background in terms of this kind of work? Yeah, so um, I have been impacted by a lot of these barriers that I see students and other staff members impacted by. And, you know, this work really spoke to me um, largely because of that, because I've experienced that system um, as somebody who is in the LGBTQ plus community, as somebody who came up from a home that was very poor and often struggling. There were times that we struggled with food or struggled with getting our basic needs, even as I was going into college, um, even as I was an undergrad, there were positions where I wasn't sure what my housing situation was going to look like. And I really understand firsthand what that stress feels like and not knowing where to go and who could help me. Um, I also know the experience of getting the runaround and meeting a lot of dead ends. And that's a situation I wouldn't wish on anyone. Um, and I've just been so thankful to have the um, experience to be on the other hand of providing that support and seeing the work that has been done before I even got here um, in the in the campus community to address these issues. So I think that's kind of where my story is with with my passion for this type of work. And did I know in your bio you also talked a little bit about sort of this housing first model? and how that guides yeah. your approach to your work. Could you talk a little bit about how that's influenced how you sort of manage and navigate through this work? Yeah, so when I was going through um, my master's degree for social work, I had the wonderful opportunity to do my practicum, which is essentially um, an internship with the Nevada Homeless Alliance. Um, and while I was doing that work, I saw firsthand what... Um, 
what serving the housing insecure population, especially in Las Vegas, looks like. And Housing First is an approach that really centers housing as a basic human right. Previously to the Housing First model, a lot of models that um, shelters or organizations have utilized has been one that had a lot of requirements for people to access the care and resources that they needed, um, especially when it comes to mental health or um, sobriety. So they would often be required to go through some treatment plans before they can access housing. So that's what that approach really looks like, and I really want to utilize that as a framework for a lot of the work that I do as well, just knowing that, you know, oftentimes you can't better yourself or you can't work on some of those other needs or some of those other situations until you have access to stable housing and to, you know, just your basic needs, right? So that's something that, you know, I hope that everyone keeps in mind when approaching this type of issue. It, it makes a lot of sense. How do you focus on your mental health when your safety is in jeopardy? How do you concentrate on the things that you need to do when you don't even have food? You know, I as I listen to you talk, and I, I'm really grateful for the thoughtfulness in which this program is designed in order to make it more accessible for students, but I wonder what are some of the barriers that you've seen to students actually seeking out the services that you offer? I think the biggest one that we've been having a lot of conversations about has been that frame of mind that they don't feel empowered enough to utilize these resources. Oftentimes there's that mindset of, oh, well, I need this, but somebody else needs it more. I don't need it that badly, so I should, I should hold off and let somebody else get this. Um, and I think that's a really hard barrier to break. Um, I think that's why we're really approaching this with, you know, a lot of us have been in these situations as well, and it has helped us a lot to really try to empower others to show them that, you know, they have every right to come and get these resources. They are for them. It's not going to limit others. And if we are seeing the need grow, then we'll work really hard to grow to meet that need as we go along. And then I know earlier you mentioned about sort of the basic needs uh, survey and sort of bringing more attention to some of the findings there. Could you speak to some of the some of the themes that emerge from, you know, reviewing the survey results? Yes. Um, so one of the themes that I know you both kind of touched on as well has been um, just the impact that you know, experiencing basic needs and security has on different areas of your life, not just academics, but your mental health and, um, you know, just overall well-being. So I think that was one of the biggest things, um, and I think that's really important for us to keep in mind. That's why I think it's so important to adopt that, um, that model of really centering these types of needs first. So looking at the survey, um, which I do want to be transparent that I wasn't involved in the administration of this survey, so definitely want to put the work out to those who were involved. I know um, some of them have left the university since then, um, but um, they, they did an amazing job with this. Um, some of the things um, that it looked at was housing, food, child care, transportation, digital access, mental health services. Um, and they had asked, you know, do barriers related to any of these hinder your performance in your classes um, or your overall progress at UNLV? 
And it seems like the majority of these areas, especially housing and food, indicated um, very high barriers for academic success. Those are so really... I think at the university, as we're talking about, you know, retention rates and, you know, getting students to the point of graduation, I think this is an important thing to keep in mind. Absolutely. So um, I'm curious, as someone who's had to um, navigate the process, you know, I know that it can be difficult, and I'm really grateful that UNLV is making that process a lot simpler for students to navigate, but what message would you like to get out there to students or even just community members who are um, maybe reluctant or reticent to access your services, either through pride or shame or feeling like they're not deserving of the services? What would you like to communicate to them? I would definitely like to say that, again, especially as somebody who's been in that situation or a similar situation before, that it really does make a difference. And I know what it feels like to feel as though your situation isn't as dire enough. Um, But overall, your well-being is incredibly important. And I just think that um, just feeling empowered and knowing that your self-advocacy and that your needs come first, no matter what you feel like they compare to, to others. Um, If you think it's an issue at all, then it is an issue and it should be addressed and we are here to help you. It's a wonderful message. And then Ash, we'll get you out of here on this last question. Is there anything that you would like to share that, that we, that you wish we would have asked or, for our listeners. Um, I think I'm just really grateful to be here and getting the word out about our events. I really hope to see a good turnout, um, not in the sense that I hope that people are struggling with this, but in the sense that I want to shed some light on this issue. And, you know, I, I think it'd be wonderful for others to feel empowered and, um, you know, kind of just go from there. So again, our events are Our first event is going to be next week, the 22nd, from 10 to 3 in Student Union Room 208. And I just, I'm really excited. Thank you all so much for having me. Grateful to have you on board. Thank you so much for sharing this really important information for our students, especially as, you know, inflation and people are still recovering from unemployment and COVID and everything else like that. I think this sort of information is crucial, especially as it helps people to secure their future. Yes, and I wholeheartedly agree. And certainly we, on behalf of the university, we thank you for, you know, your passion for this work and sort of leading this work. And we know that it's making a difference in the lives of so many students. So, and we hope that you continue to receive the support and contributions that that are needed to move this work forward. All right. Thank you, Ash. Thank you. For more Let's Talk UNLV, be sure to follow us on social media where you can get the latest updates on the show plus great behind-the-scenes content. We're on Facebook at Let's Talk UNLV Podcast, Twitter at Let's Talk UNLV, and Instagram at Let's Talk UNLV Pod.